everyone. This is Alexandra Perry, and you're listening to Wealth Daily's podcast, Investing After Hours. Joining me today is Scott Kessler from LO3 Energy. Scott, how are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. Um, Scott, I usually like to kick off the podcast by having the guests tell me a bit about their background. So could you tell me about your background and what you do at LO3 Energy? So I am a uh, energy geek by trade, I guess. Been working in the electricity sector for a little over a decade now, and really been focused around energy efficiency and distributed energy. Spent some time working at a electric utility. Uh, also worked for a government agency, and then spent some time at a consulting firm as well. And now I have ended up at LO3 Energy, a young company headquartered here in Brooklyn, New York, where I am the director of business development. And that primarily means I go out and sort of educate the energy public about what blockchain is, what the potential impacts are on the electric grid, and how working with a company like LO3 could potentially provide them new solutions and new business models for the future. So I really am out there a little bit of the uh, tip of the spear, if you will. I first, well, met you at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, so you certainly do a good job spreading the blockchain knowledge. That was the first blockchain-focused panel I have ever attended at CES. It was very cool. Yeah, normally in the electric sector, uh, the conferences are not quite as exciting, so it was pretty fun to get to head over to Vegas for CES. Cool. So what exactly does LO3 Energy do, both like in the traditional energy space, but also in the blockchain space? So we very much consider ourselves to be an energy company that happens to use blockchain. Um, What we really are doing is looking at this future that's emerging for the electric grid, where there are hundreds of thousands and millions of devices that can consume and store and produce energy in some smart way. And we think there has to be a way to efficiently allow them to all transact with one another. So we have developed a platform that enables that. It's a mix of both uh, software, which is the blockchain component we're going to talk about in a little bit of detail, as well as some hardware, because you actually need to measure the physical effects on the grid. You have to take readings about how much energy is being used, and you have to be able to communicate with the devices that you are trying to turn on, turn off, modulate, affect the change within those devices. So we are putting out that software platform, software hardware platform, and then really working with electric utilities, retailers, and other folks in the space to develop new models because it's not just enough to sort of put a new technology out there. You sort of have to show the incumbents how to use it and why it's beneficial to them. So we really sit at that intersection of both technology, of business, and then also regulatory, because we have to be aware of what's allowed and what's not allowed on the grid. You've already kind of um, hinted on that we're going to talk about blockchain more in detail, because I think that the theme of this podcast is talking about how this technology is kind of bridging the old and the new when it comes to the energy space. But do you guys feel like the blockchain technology platform that you provide is helping you guys keep up with the energy sector as it improves and evolves alongside of basically just society growing? Yeah, I mean, the vast amount of excitement in the electric space is around what's happening at what they call the grid edge. 
And that's really where most of us have been living our lives. You know, it is the residential homes. It's the small businesses. It is, it's all the small bits of value that are connected to the electric grid, but really it's always been sort of difficult to tap into. For a long time, you know, utilities have paid a lot of attention to industrial facilities, to really large commercial office buildings, to places that consume vast amounts of energy. And we've also paid a lot of attention to really large generators, you know, natural gas, coal, nuclear plants, um, the places where the majority of the electric load comes from. And what we haven't done is really paid attention to what's happening at the edges. You know, there's, it's a big portion of the grid, but individually, each one of our homes or businesses, you know, is really tough to spend too much time on because the individual value may not be there. So, in the electric space, where the excitement is, is about getting into some of those small increments of value, looking at them in an aggregate fashion, and seeing can we provide the same services to the grid that you might get from a traditionally large energy consumer, can you get the same services maybe cheaper? You know, is there a way that instead of your utility spending, you know, a billion dollars on a new substation, can we perhaps spend a fraction of that on solar panels, on batteries, on ways to turn off energy and reduce the cost to everyone on the grid and hopefully even come out with better solutions than we would have gotten with that new substation. I think that people just aren't really thinking about the, the small consumers in the larger energy space. I know it's not something that I tend to think about as an investor and as an investment research person. I think about like, you know, bigger uh, corporations and how they play a role, not how the consumer plays a role back into the grid. So it's really cool to see you guys working with this kind of stuff. And that kind of brings me to my next group of questions and a really cool project that LO3 Energy has worked on that has now been featured all over the place. And this project does a really good job of highlighting how blockchain and technology can be used to basically connect communities and their grid. And that's like the Brooklyn Microgrid Project. So is there any way you could tell me a little bit about that and how blockchain is being used by those individuals to basically improve their overall experience? Yeah. So back in late 2015, you know, we had the we had our pilot technology ready to go, and we really didn't want this just to be something that existed in white papers or PowerPoint presentations. You know, we wanted to demonstrate this in the real world. So we went to a, a community group here in Brooklyn where a number of users had solar panels installed and said, hey, you know, we are trying to find a place where we can demonstrate this new technology. It's going to allow people to transact with one another, so hopefully deepen some community ties. And this community group was really enthusiastic about the idea. So back in April 2016, we actually uh, implemented the first ever transaction between two users, uh, first ever energy transaction using blockchain. And what we did was basically took the excess production from one user's PV solar system and we traded it to his neighbor across the street. And it was really the first time that anyone had ever shown how blockchain potentially could begin to impact the electric grid. Since then, we have been growing the project. Uh, we have about 60 different solar sites that now have our technology attached to it, represents about 1.25 megawatts of generating capacity. And the goal of Brooklyn Microgrid is really to uh, allow folks to buy and sell energy with one another. 
so that, you know, they can say they're getting their energy from their local community. And hopefully the environmental and the economic benefits of doing that would stay local. Uh, what people don't realize today is that when you go out and you buy green energy, what you are buying is a renewable energy credit. And that could come from anywhere. You know, it could come from wind farms in Texas. It could come from a solar plant out in Ohio. But what we do know is that it's not coming from your local community because very often those are too small, and so it's too difficult to buy them. You know, the large, the large retailers, the energy retailers who are selling you the green power, they go to the very large wind farms to purchase their renewable energy credits, their RECs. And what our technology is allowing is folks to buy their energy within their local community so that their money stays local and they're helping to improve the local economy. And we found that there's a really strong reaction to this. You know, people really like this idea. They've never really had many options on the electric grid before. They've certainly never had one that allowed them to keep things local. And what we're seeing is just the fact that they have choice and the fact that they can choose the energy that's right for them. All of a sudden, they care about this in a way that you wouldn't really expect people to talk about the electric grid. You know, and too often in the energy sector, I think people assume that, well, we don't, you know, we, people don't care about energy. They get their bill once a month. They don't think about it. But what we're starting to show here is that if you are able to engage them in a way that really excites them, if you're able to give them a product and an offering that they think is cool, that they think benefits something that matters to them, well, all of a sudden you're going to get a very different reaction. So do the people in this community, um, this is kind of a question coming from the digital currency space where a lot of the times uh, these utility tokens have been associated with the blockchain product. I've, I've talked to a few companies that are doing similar ideas, but they only have like a digital token that can be used between two individuals. So if I wanted to sell energy, it would have to be quantified in that digital token. I know Ripple does a similar thing by converting funds to XRP and there's a lot of blockchain structures that use that. Do you guys use a native digital currency or not? So we are making use of a blockchain token, but we're not necessarily making use of it for a currency. Um, you know, our, our thinking is that the problem in the electric sector is not the ability to pay for services. You know, we've all been doing that for a very long time. Paying with fiat currency through the utility bill generally works pretty well for most folks, at least in some of the markets we're working in, like Europe and Australia and the United States. So we don't think it's really payments that are broken. What we think is fundamentally broken in the electric grid is the ability to share data. And that's really what our system is tailored to. So we do have a token, but the purpose of that is to permission participation. So how do you ensure that the folks that are sharing data are doing it in a valid manner. That's really the purpose of our token in the blockchain. It's not necessarily to be used as a currency where you are taking fiat, converting it into LO3 crypto dollars. You know, we don't think there's really that much value to that type of a model. We think the real value here is in the ability to share data between, you know, one user who is producing solar energy, one who's consuming energy, and allowing them to provide services to one another. And if they want to pay in crypto, they want to pay in fiat, you know, we are sort of agnostic as to that. It's cool that you guys don't have restricted channels like that because it definitely it opens up the platform to a wide range of users if you're not limiting them to either a specific digital token or just one kind of currency. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we see that as a potential restriction down the road. You know, we don't think people want to pay their electric bill in Bitcoin. Most people on the electric grid don't have any idea about the stuff we're talking about in the blockchain space. And frankly, for a lot of these applications, they probably shouldn't have to. You know, they don't need to know how the Internet works to make use of it. We want to apply basically the same principles here to the blockchain space. That brings about a good question about incorporating blockchain into the bigger picture. Because right now, it's true that like the digital currency and blockchain space, both blockchain the way you guys are utilizing and then blockchain the way that's being used by digital currencies, is a fairly small market that really, despite the Bitcoin boom, is is probably just now beginning to leach out like into the mainstream. So do you guys have plans to help the mainstream consumer, utility consumer, adopt this kind of blockchain community, just like the Brooklyn Microgrid has? Yeah, very much so. I mean, at the core of what we're trying to do here is work with the existing energy companies to educate them and then to provide them the ability to make use of a technology like ours. So it's not necessarily that each individual user needs to know that blockchain is empowering them to trade energy with their neighbor or whatever other application we might be talking about. What they just need to know is what's the product and what's the service that's resulting from this. And that's probably going to be provided by either their existing utility or some energy service company. You know, we've established partnerships with companies like Siemens, with companies like Direct Energy and Centrica, you know, some of these large energy providers who know what their customers want to see, they know how to talk to them, and they know that the way to talk to their customer is not about blockchain. The way to talk to your customer is about what's important to them, what are their values, what are their economic concerns. That's what's going to resonate with people. Most folks don't really care if you're doing proof of work or proof of stake. They don't know what that means, and they don't need to. Folks that are currently using your Brooklyn microgrid and exchanging energy among each other, would there be benefits to that kind of structure, say, in a natural disaster? Because I know that right now energy infrastructure in America is fairly old, so when massive events happen that could leave us in a blackout, those communities are just affected on a massive scale. So is there a benefit to basically creating these small communities that have energy independence among themselves while still being connected to the utility in those kind of situations? Very much so. So we are in the process of developing, you know, a series of microgrids. And the goal here is to provide a way that small energy sources like solar powered, like solar panels, like batteries, they get better incentives. They get better compensation than they would otherwise, because hopefully we're selling this locally produced energy as a premium product. And so that should provide a better return to the owners of those assets. And as we get more of these assets located near each other, all of a sudden the community is more capable of providing their energy needs. So in a blackout, what you can do is begin to implement physical microgrids around these resources. That requires some changes to the electric grid. Sometimes it requires private wires. Sometimes it requires installing new smart switch gear on the existing wires. But the goal is to make it so that your portion of the grid, where we have local resources, more solar panels, more storage, they are able to what they call island themselves during a blackout. They're able to provide power back to the members of that community so that everyone doesn't go into darkness. You know, here in New York, we experienced Hurricane Sandy a few years back, knocked out power to large parts of Manhattan and Brooklyn. And so it was really one of the reasons we chose this area to do our first demonstration project because the people here are unfortunately very aware of how important it is to keep electricity going 
and the impact it has on their lives when they lose it. So speaking of effectiveness and basically monitoring energy and sharing it, I know that you guys have a product called the Exergy Compliant Meter. I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I know it's kind of like a hybrid device that helps the network manage energy effectively. And I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about that and its role in the home. Definitely. So that's the hardware I was sort of mentioning before when describing our platform. And it's really serving sort of three purposes here. The first is that it's taking uh, readings from the electric grid just like your typical meter would. It's measuring your kilowatts, your kilowatt hours, your KVAR, all the details that you need in order to say, here's the impact we're having on the grid at this site. The second thing it's doing is it's actually serving as a node in the blockchain. So it has sufficient computational ability on board to actually process the blockchain. Um, we don't actually need other computers. We use our meters to serve that purpose. And the third thing they do is they communicate with smart devices. So using Zigbee and Z-Wave and other open protocols, we can actually talk to the thermostats and the lights and the batteries and inform them, you know, if I just sold five kilowatt hours of energy that's stored in my battery, well, I need to tell that battery to discharge, that it has to release that energy. And that has to happen automatically. You know, you can't rely on someone doing that manually. So that's really the purpose of those meters. And what we want to do is begin moving away from using our own meters, because really at our core, we are a software company. We're not really a hardware company and begin figuring out how do you bring other hardware devices onto this. So we've already begun testing with electric vehicle chargers, with batteries, with other meters, and saying as long as you are providing information in the right way, and as long as you have sufficient computational resource on board, there's no reason these devices can't serve the purpose of our own meters. So we don't want to have to roll out our meters everywhere. We want to make use of the devices people are already putting into their homes and really create a global network of participating devices. It sounds like we're talking about some, some fairly advanced technology compared to what the energy industry is used to. Yeah, yeah. We certainly like to think of ourselves as uh, pushing the envelope. That kind of brings me to some closing questions. And it's, it's cool to talk about energy in context of blockchain, just because energy has been an industry, and you can correct me if you feel differently, but I feel like that's kind of lagged in the in the dark ages a little bit when it comes to technology. So, um, I don't think anyone in the industry would disagree with that, whether it is a utility executive, a startup, or a regulator. It is, it's just cool to kind of see these, um, especially now that we live in a sharing community where you can share your home, you can share your car, why not share your energy? So it certainly brings power back to the consumer. And I was wondering if you could like tell me, based on your experience in the energy industry, how do you see blockchain technology evolving alongside the traditional energy industry in the next four years? So I think it has the potential to really fundamentally restructure things. Um, if you think about the way things work today, you know, it is really one central utility that we send all of our data to and that we rely on to provide all the services. And what we can do is make use of blockchain and allow it so that each individual participant is allowed to decide how do they want to participate. It will be up to an entity like the utility of today to ensure that the markets and the services being provided cause the necessary effect for the physical grid so that we maintain stability. 
But at the end of the day, you can allow each user to say, here are my limits, here are my devices, here's what I'm willing to do, and really allow them to retain ownership of that. At the same time, you know, we really can start to spread out the risk in the system. Right now, you know, the electric grid is at large amounts of risk because of the amount of centralization that happens both in a digital and a physical sense. You know, we have seen hackers go after electric utilities, and we have seen actual physical attacks on substations and other key portions of the grid. So I think when we talk about, you know, good uses for blockchain, it's all about, you know, where do you need security and where do you need to remove trust from lots of different participants in the same network? I think the electric grid fits those characteristics really well. And I think by providing this data layer and providing this permission to who's getting access to the system, then all of a sudden you can basically open up the market to private enterprise and say, hey, we have all of these users who might be willing to share data with you if you provide the right service, and you can allow them to start competing with one another. You know, that's really been what's prevented innovation in the electric space, the fact that you know, it's really been impossible for anyone but your utility to be able to provide you services. And now we're really opening up so that anyone can do it. So we really expect it to really change how people get their electric services over the next few years. Speaking of the utility, is there a way a traditional energy company can stay ahead of the curve on this and via adoption maybe? Because I could see this being a major deal for utility companies that have had kind of a monopoly on the market for years and years and just suddenly, you know, if we open up the door to these private companies and for competition via the blockchain, then those utility companies are going to have to either compete or adapt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we're seeing both right now. You know, we have electric utilities who are being really progressive. You know, we actually just partnered with two distribution utilities in Germany to do demonstration projects. Uh, and they very much see the future as being the provider of a platform like this. You know, they do see this as sort of their business model of the future. So there are folks who are willing to sort of take the leap and start thinking about the future. Uh, at the same time, you know, we find utilities who really aren't big fans of this idea. You know, they've had a really nice spot in this ecosystem for a long time. And, you know, they are aware that they are losing that. And inevitably, you know, that will cause a lot of change. It will probably be a painful transition for some of them. And, you know, I think we are seeing some of the, some of the existing players dig in their heels a little bit. So I think we're going to see both. You know, you have progressive folks who very much realize this is going to follow the same thing that happened with, you know, uh, the baby bells in the telecom industry. They see this as the writing on the wall already. And then we have other folks who sort of think, no, you guys are all just envisioning some future which won't come to pass, and I won't really have to deal with too much distributed energy or disruption in the electric space. And we think that's a bad bet to be placing. <laughs> so – what about your guys' mission going forward? I know it's been a big year for you, big partnerships, successful projects, speaking at the Consumer Electronics Show. What does the next three years look like for LO3 Energy in your mind? So for us, you know, we are in the midst of a number of activities. So we are rolling out a series of global demonstration projects, like the ones in Germany I mentioned before. We've got some projects in Australia. We'll be announcing a few more in the next few months. And the point there is really to continue pushing this forward, both from a commercial standpoint, you know, developing partners, getting you know, utilities to scale their adoption of this type of technology, as well as pushing forward the regulatory conversation and working with the folks who actually make the laws and policy to demonstrate that 
we can allow folks to directly transact with one another and they don't have to be licensed as a utility to do that. Um, we are in the midst of a token sale which should help us begin to scale our platform globally. And, you know, I think over the next three years, we really expect to see a lot of activity in the international markets. Uh, you know, places like Australia, they have severe issues happening on their grid right now. They, you know, have some large blackouts that's happening. They've got a ton of solar in comparison to what we have in the U.S. and in other markets. And they're really trying to figure out, you know, how do they adopt? How do they provide customers with more choice while still providing security to the grid? So I think we're really going to see a lot of the activity happen in Australia and then Europe. The U.S. probably lags a little bit further behind, so I think you'll probably see us be more active internationally for a little while. I actually didn't know about your guys' token sales. Is that for accredited investors, or is it open to the market? Yep. So right now we are in the midst of a pre-sale, uh, and that is for accredited investors only at the moment. Uh, you know, I'd say... Keep your eyes open for what may come in the future. Uh, you can find more information at the website for the sale, which is exergy.energy. It's E-X-E-R-G-Y.energy. Very cool. Well, well, daily listeners, I'm going to include a link to that website and all that information, as well as our educational resource on blockchains. I know we've spoken about that a lot over the course of this podcast, but haven't really gone into the technical details which are very technical, so <laughs> definitely having the resource will be helpful. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the podcast and talk to us about LO3 and where you guys are going. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope everyone has a great week. Talk to you next podcast.